Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Hey, what's going on? Not a whole lot. It's been an exciting day. It has been an exciting day as well as a long day. We got up really early this morning. We did. 3 a.m. Yeah. Bethany decided on Friday, was it? Yes. That she wanted to do a sprint triathlon not too far away and as coaches and Sherpas and cheerleaders, we went along. And it was great to be at a real live triathlon event again. It was fun to watch. It's um, always amazing to me to watch a local sprint triathlon because you just have so many athletes of all different abilities and ages and everyone's excited and the uh, triathlon community is just pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that was special about this event, and this was the Knox County Triathlon in Vincennes, Indiana, I was talking to one of the volunteers. It was about the time the race was almost over, and I, I was asking about going into transition to get Bethany's bike while she was, I guess she was taking a shower somewhere. Anyway, and he said, no, out of respect for the last to try, we're not allowing anyone into transition to remove their equipment. So I pondered that a little bit, and he went on to explain the history of this event. He said it started out as an event by a women's organization wanting women to get out and be active, and the fear was that people wouldn't want to do it because somebody always gets last place. So they had the creative idea of designating a person to be the last place person, and that person is called the last to try. So I stood there and talked to him for a little while, and lo and behold, here comes a 75-year-old woman on her bicycle, just smiling as big as she, she could, and trots into transition into T2, and people around are cheering her on, knowing that she's the last to try. And then once she left transition, I was able to go in and get Bethany's stuff. Well, and I like that, that the first and the last athlete are treated with the same dignity and respect. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And they didn't start the awards until after this person finished. And she had a big round of applause when she crossed the finish of the run. But I'm also impressed that someone of her age was able to do this on a really hot day. It was hot. There was a fair amount of shade on portions of the course, but a lot of sun, and it was hot. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the Olympics before on this podcast, but it's coming up. It's still maybe six weeks away, but I was thinking about the Olympic marathon, and you probably heard the story of how 
marathon became an event, there was this guy, and I hope I pronounced his name right, Pheidippides. What do you think? Does that sound right? We'll go with that. Pheidippides, it is. He was at the Battle of Marathon, and the Athenians apparently were victorious, and so he ran back to Athens to pronounce the good news, and as the legend goes, he died. He gave it all he had. And the distance of that run just so happened to be... The distance from the town of Marathon to the town of Athens was about 26.2 miles. So the story goes. I don't know. So just thinking about the history of the marathon made me think about the history of running. And I didn't do an in-depth study of the history of running. But I did think about where in the Bible are there references to people running? And then I was thinking also... Where in the Bible are there references to people doing the triathlon? Well, obviously there aren't any because they didn't have bicycles back then. And I'm not sure there was many references to swimming either, but there are a number of references to running. There are some references to boating, fishing, and walking on water. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Just think how fast you could do your triathlon if you could walk on water. Think how brave it was to step out of that boat and how much faith it took. Yeah, and we're on a tangent already, but that's just such a neat story where Peter stepped out of the boat and he saw Jesus standing on the water and the faith he had in Jesus allowed him to stand on the water. But then as he looked around and saw the waves, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started sinking. But then he refocused on Jesus and they both got in the boat together. He didn't drown. For some reason, your dad has enjoyed since I've known you guys since seventh grade. He would always look at me and go, not many of us can walk on water, like referring to himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny guy, your dad. Yes, he is. So I, I pulled out some scriptures related to running in the Bible, and a couple of them have to do with running in battle. The first is in First. Samuel chapter 8 verses 10 through 12 and just a little background on this the people of Israel have had God as their king but the people of Israel want to be like all the other nations and have a person as their king and this displeases God but he grants their request and Samuel the prophet says so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him he said These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. So this was one of the earliest references to running that I've found in the Bible. We could use this when we're encouraging our athletes to do VO2 max training. We can say, run like the horse-drawn chariots are chasing you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Running into battle. That would have been a job for you if you were in battle during that time period. You could be the runner in front of the horses because you're so fast. Oh, Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then this prophecy that Samuel had actually came to pass probably more than once but in 2 Samuel 15:1 after this Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him 
Now, Absalom was a interesting character. As I recall, he is one of King David's sons, but he rebelled against his dad, and he wanted to be the king. So he got a group of people together and tried to take over the kingdom. And king David fled, and King David's army and Absalom's army were in conflict. And that brings us to the next reference of running in the Bible. It has to do with people being messengers. So we've moved from running in battle to running because you're a messenger. Yes. Kind of like the guy that ran from Marathon to Athens and died. Correct. <laughs> in Second Samuel chapter 18, verses 19 to 27, this is a long set of verses, but it has to do with Absalom. And King David's army had defeated Absalom's army. And actually, King David's son, Absalom, was killed in the battle. So the scripture goes, Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab, who's the leader of King David's army, said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day. But today you shall carry no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, somebody else, Go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall, and when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king, and the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew nearer and nearer. The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gate and said, See, another man running alone. The king said, He also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Well, he wasn't coming with good news, but he still had news to deliver. I'm not sure why he wanted to be the one to carry the news. I guess he didn't understand the king's heart. God said that David had a heart after his own heart. Even though Absalom had betrayed his father and tried to take over his kingdom and would have killed his dad if he had an opportunity, David loved his son and did not want his son to be harmed. So it was really bad news when they delivered the message that Absalom had been killed. This reminds me of the story that Jesus shared of the prodigal son, how the son asked for his inheritance before the father died and went off and squandered it. And then there was a big famine and the son was in need and went back with intentions of begging his father just to be a servant on his property. But the father was looking, always looking, hoping someday the son would return. And one day he did return and he ran out and hugged him and threw a huge feast and welcomed him back as a son. So that's the kind of parents and fathers God wants us to be is for, uh, forgiving and always praying and trying to help our children make the right choices. 
All right, back to running. Oh, no, there was something else I want to talk about on this particular scripture. Have you ever noticed how even from afar you can recognize people who are running just by their running form? It's true. Yeah. If you can see them, you can recognize their running form. <laughs> yes, yes, it is true. But yeah, there are some people that just have a distinct form. You know, maybe part of it is their height and the way they carry their arms or the way they lean forward. Or though maybe they bounce or maybe they shuffle. Or maybe their nickname is Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew. Because they just so peppy when they run. Yeah. But and what made you think of that? We've taken like a... We've gone to the prodigal son and back to this. I feel like we need to refer back to what's making you think of this. Yeah, because uh, when Ahimaaz was approaching where the king was at, the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. He recognized what the run looked like, so I guess this guy ran often to bring messages. Could be. And they didn't have binoculars back then so probably wasn't too far away so here's another reference to the bible of running as a messenger and this has to do with david again and it was earlier in david's life actually before he became the king david had a rough life so his son wanted to kill him and a previous king king saul wanted to kill him also and saul wanted to kill him because he knew the Lord had said that David would take over his kingdom. But David was good friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. And so Jonathan and David had a conversation in private, and Jonathan was trying to explain to David that, no, my, my dad's not trying to kill you. And David came up with this idea, and David's hiding. But David says that uh, for Jonathan to go find out if his dad, Saul, is trying to kill him, and then give him a sign, and the sign was that when Jonathan went out to practice archery, if it was safe for David to return to the presence of Saul, then he would give a particular message to his servant when he goes to fetch the arrows versus a different message if it's dangerous for David to return to the king and that he should flee. So it's from 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 35 and 37. It says, in the morning, Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul, went out into the field to the appointment with David and with him a little boy. And he said to his boy, run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, is not the arrow beyond you? That was the message to indicate that David should run. Run, David, run. All right, let's see. I'm not sure run, David, run is a Bible reference. I think that's Forrest Gump reference. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Could be. There's some pretty good stuff in Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Here's another scripture related to running. This is from Jeremiah 51, verse 31 to 32. It says, One runner runs to meet another and one messenger to meet another, to tell the king of Babylon that his city is taken on every side. The fords have been seized. Are we thinking this is the world's first relay race? Hey, 
Maybe it is. Does this mean like there's 20 miles and I run a mile and tell you and then you run a mile and tell someone else and then... It could be. And hopefully they write down these messages because I'm thinking about the telephone game. Yeah, that never works well. It never works well. Do you think in the telephone game that somebody intentionally messes it up? There's no doubt based on how it begins and how it ends that there's always somebody in the middle intentionally messing it up. How hard could it be, really? I guess if the story that needs to be passed from person to person to person is lengthy, yeah, maybe it could get, it could drift from the original. All right, so those were references about battle or about messengers. Here's just some other references that aren't really related to those, but just related to running. This is from Job chapter 24, verse 25. My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. But Job had a rough time, didn't he? He did, but he was faithful. He was faithful. God allowed Satan to test Job in many, many ways. And he was faithful. And although he had a really rough time, God rewarded him in the end of his days. It's interesting that he says his days are swifter than a runner because when I'm having a bad day, it seems like a really long day. Yeah, but think about our marriage. We've been married quite a while now. Let me do the math here. You're comparing our marriage to Come on. To Joe? Work with me here. Work with me here. All right. I've got a funny story on you that's coming up after I explain myself here. Oh, yeah. How many years have we been married? We were married in 86, and this is, yeah. So we've been married 35 years. You really had to do the math on that? And like you didn't have to do the math on our daughter's birthday earlier today? No, I believe that was you doing the math on our daughter's birthday earlier this morning. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So I'm not comparing our marriage to, to Job. I was comparing our marriage to the fact that it time has flown by. That's because it's been so awesome. It has been awesome. But if it had been awful... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I can guess what story you're going to tell, but go ahead. Yeah. So, <laughs> remember when we had that podcast on Follies, Follies number one? Yeah, but this is not Follies number two. This is not Follies number two, but I just can't hold this back after that comment about our marriage being like Job. <laughs> we went through the Love Languages book at one point. Oh my goodness, this is not where I thought you were going. And <laughs> you told me, you learned, you probably already knew this, that quality time is your love language. Is I, that true or I not? I told you this or we discovered this. We discovered this. <laughs> okay, now that I am working from home, you would think that you would really enjoy spending more time with me. But one day... <laughs> I asked you about quality time being your love language, and you said quality time is no longer my love language. I did not say that. I said oh, my yes, cup yes, is. Yes. I said my cup is full. So you had enough of quality time with me. <laughs> you're twist. You're twisting this. <laughs> Maybe we need to go back through the the class and get you a new love language if you're tired of this one. I'm not tired of it. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) All right, moving right along. The next scripture is Psalm 119, verses 31 and 32. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. 
I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. What does that scripture say to you? It reminds me of the New Testament scripture that says to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah, that's good. I can see that. All right, our next scripture is Proverbs chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. So Proverbs is all about wisdom. You know, we need to seek God's wisdom. And the first chapter of James says that if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. If we walk in wisdom, then God will take care of us, keep us from stumbling. Yeah, and I think the important thing is they're referring to someone who's on the right path. They're on the path of righteousness. And whether they walk or run, as long as they're going in the right direction, they're not going to stumble. Yeah. There might be bumps in the road, but they're not going to fall. All right. Let's see where the next one is. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. This is a pretty popular one. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I can't help when I think about that scripture. I think about our friend Lee, who is training for the Moab 240. He is going to need the Lord to renew his strength over that five-day, 100-hour event up and down the mountains in Moab. But that's really encouraging that no matter what circumstances we go through in life, with God's strength, we can endure. That's right. There are a couple of references to racing in the Bible. The first... <laughs> somewhat, yes. Yeah, somewhat. And I guess if you think about it, Ahimaaz outraced the Cushite. But in John chapter 20... Verse 3 through 5, it says, So Peter went out with the other disciple, who was John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. What an amazing story. What an amazing reality that Jesus had risen from the dead. And there was nothing left in his grave but what they covered him up with. So I've heard a minister preach on this before. And this minister said that John was bragging a little that he outran Peter. But I don't think that's the reason why it's documented that he arrived first. Why do you think it's documented? That there was no way that someone arrived before him to tamper with anything. So he was trying to make that point that this was, he was the first on the scene. So I think it was just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because he's the author of this book inspired by God to write the book of John. I can see that. Speaking of bragging, (laughs) it seems that John often refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He did refer to himself in that manner. Yeah, but Jesus loved them all. He did. All right, the next one is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23 
to 27. And this is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about meeting people where they are. He's all things to all people, not concerned about you know, all the baggage that people have, just really meeting them where they are to share Jesus with them. And he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I love that scripture on so many levels. On the spiritual realm is where it's most important, which you can speak to. But I think it's interesting that even way back 2,000 years ago-ish, when this was being written, it was already known that if you're going to be successful in running, you have to have self-control in all the things. Self-control in what you eat, self-control in getting the amount of sleep that you need, self-discipline in actually implementing the workouts on a regular basis. So 2,000 years ago, this was obviously common knowledge since it's a reference here in this verse. Yeah. And would you say on the on the contrary side that if you run aimlessly and don't have that discipline, that it's like boxing the air, mm-hmm. visualizing it's just somebody as, boxing the air. It's about as productive. And you know, some athletes are more gifted than others. You might be able to get away with being a little bit less disciplined than me and still beat me in a 5K, but you're really not comparing your race to mine you're really comparing your race to what you can do so and i think that parallels our christian walk too like i'm not comparing what my christian walk should look like daily compared to yours i'm drawing close to the lord and making sure that my life parallels what his word says and what he would have for me to do each day yeah i was also thinking about the scripture and i'm not going to look it up but it says uh to whom much is given, much is required, which makes me think God's given me and you and all of us certain gifts and talents, and we should use them the way that they were given to us. Also in this scripture, Paul's saying that I discipline my body and keep it under control, and it ties back in with training as well. Yeah, and in a spiritual context, he's talking about so much more. I know in this day and age, people read the Bible and cherry pick the things they like about it that align with their life and their preferences when we should be doing the opposite. We should be reading the Bible and aligning our life and preferences with what God's Word says because His Word is true, His Word is perfect, and we don't understand all of it, but we know that following it leads to our best life here, but also eternal life. Yeah. And that brings us to the last scripture. And this is like our team theme scripture, team motto scripture. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, you know, what race are we running? It's the race of life. And all races have a starting line and a finish line. And all races have rules. We need to understand what God expects from us and do our best to obey. But sometimes in a triathlon, we get a drafting penalty. Sometimes in a relay race, we drop the baton. Sometimes in life, we mess up. But God made a way of forgiveness through his son, Jesus. And all we have to do is cling to Jesus to win our race. So at the end of our podcast, we usually include a scripture, but I think we have that covered today. We got that covered. (laughs) So one of the things that we've talked about before, but I think it's worth mentioning again, as coaches of the RYR endurance team, we absolutely want our athlete to reach and exceed their goals in their running or triathlon performances. But we also want this to be an opportunity for us to share our faith with athletes. And I think another scripture, although it's not specific to running, is in First Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 8. So while physical training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also... For the life to come. Yeah. So it's good that we take care of our bodies, but taking care of our spirit and planning for our eternal future is so much more important. It is. I feel like we kind of went to church today on the podcast. Preach it. It's probably a good thing we did, though, because we got up at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning to go cheer on Bethany at her triathlon. We missed church this weekend, so we might as well just... Take you to church on our Monday podcast. Well, I think that's a wrap. Let's go spend some quality time together. (laughs) Hey, you know what? What? We have a Facebook group. We do, don't we? Yep. Tell us about it. It's just a group of athletes, most of which listen to our podcast, some of which we also coach, and it's an opportunity to be a part of a community that loves running and triathlon and it's a way to connect with us and share with us what's on your mind and a lot of times things that come up in that group give us ideas for podcasts let us know if you'd like to join at ryr endurance team we specialize in customized coaching what is customized coaching it's more than a training plan it's a relationship it's a partnership so what are your goals what are you training for Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.